The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. PTB Nation, welcome to another episode of Parking the Bus. It is episode 36. UEFA Europa League final is the topic tonight. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinu. How is everybody doing tonight? It is Friday night and it is time for some podcasting, isn't it? It has been, I think, two weeks since I've had a Parking the Bus episode. That's because the Portuguese League wrapped up last week and I was super busy watching matches and getting things ready for Mr. Benfica to close out the season. I got probably three to four episodes left this season and that's it for Mr. Benfica. Um... But it was a big, big week. I had the final match of the season, had the final match of the women's season, and then the cup final to watch. Tons going on, not to mention getting ready because as you see at the bottom of your screen, it's scrolling and it's going to show in just a moment for those of you watching live, wherever you're watching right now, whether you're watching on the PTB Media Network's YouTube channel or on the Parking the Bus uh, Twitter page through through Periscope, you can see there it says Euro 2020 is 14 days away, basically 13 now because it is the end of the day. It is Friday night, and we will be we will be into Euro 2020 in two weeks, ladies and gentlemen. I cannot wait, and I and I announced it on a previous episode of Mr. Benfica that Euro 2020. Every night, 8 p.m. right here on the PTB Media Network, wherever you're listening or watching right now. Every night, I will be dropping a daily podcast episode throughout the entire tournament. How am I going to do it? I don't friggin' know. I have no idea how I'm going to pull off, uh, I think, 26, 26 nights of, of podcasts in 30 days, but I'm going to do it by hook up by crook one way or another it is going to get done because euro 2020 is here yes i know it's 2021 but euro 2020 is here and i'm happy you know why because it is memorial day weekend here in the united states of america and here in the commonwealth of massachusetts a place i'm not that fond of even though i've born and raised here in about three hours we are open for business people that's right The state is open starting tomorrow, starting May the 29th. Throw those masks away. It is time to get back to real life. Time to get back to normal, the real normal, not the new normal. And I am psyched. So you are getting a happy version of the Mr. Tonight here on the Parking the Bus podcast. But the match we're talking about, we're talking about the 2021 Europa League final, which was played just a few nights ago in Gansk, Poland. And it was, uh, well, for those of you that, that know, I once upon a time was a Manchester United supporter. I still consider myself one, but I'm very, very disenchanted with Manchester United. And this match just just basically proved all of All of my criticisms, all of my doubt about that team. I've been saying it. They got lucky. They made their way to the final. Uh, They had a couple key players carry them, but I said they are not contenders. They are pretenders. That's right. Manchester United are pretenders. 
And this match proved it because Villa Real, the seventh placed Spanish side, went into Gantz and beat Manchester United. Yes, it was on penalties, but when you when you score all 11 penalties, when all 11 players on the pitch score, you deserve to win the shootout. We got a lot to talk about, okay? And actually, for the branding of the show, for the branding of the park and the bus, when you look at the the cover, I mean, it is beautiful. Take take a look at this. If you're watching live, look at this on your screen. Those colors just go beautifully with the park and the bus colors. Villarreal's yellow, the yellow submarine, all right? La Máquina Amarilla. <laughs> The colors just go great with the black and yellow of the Park and the Bus podcast. And, um, well, the better team won. That's all there is to it. I'll get into it when we get back. We're going to take a quick, quick little break here so I can have a swig of water here and I can collect myself and we can get into this match. That's all we're talking about tonight, all right? Yes, the European Champions League, the UEFA Champions League final is about, oh, 17 hours away right now and um, there's a lot of excitement building but you know what the Europa League is always uh, a a top notch final I enjoyed this one um, so we'll go through it and I'll tell you what I think and uh, as you can imagine I got something to say about Manchester United before it is over alright I'm going to take a quick swig while you're doing that go ahead and follow this show wherever you're watching Especially if you're on YouTube, see right there where it says subscribe. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the little bell next to it so that you get alerted whenever I go live. Because we're going to be doing it a lot in the next 30 to 40 days, my people. We're going to be doing it a lot, PTV Nation, because Euro 2020 is coming. Plus, Brasileiro kicks off tomorrow. Which means Sunday night there will be a round one Brasileiro review show. All right, Copa Libertadores has wrapped up the group stage. I, I haven't been. Uh, you haven't heard from me for a couple of weeks, so I, ha- I got two rounds worth of matches to catch everybody up on. We'll review the whole group stage. That's coming this weekend too. It's Memorial Day weekend, and I am gonna have a load of content coming out because I've got all day for uh, Monday to also <laughs> record content for you guys. All right. Oh, I am just laying back. I am psyched. I cannot wait. All right, I'll be right back. Go ahead over to Twitter and follow at PTB underscore media. Do the same at Instagram at PTB underscore media. And if you're using Facebook, if you like Facebook, just search Park in the Bus. I'm right there. All right, when you see that black and white picture of the great Johan Cruyff, that's the page. Click on it. All right, follow it so that you can keep up to tabs with everything going on with the Park in the Bus network. Okay, the PTB Media Network, the Park and the Bus podcast. There is a ton going on now. We're getting into it, and I can't wait. We'll be right back. UEFA Euro 2020 this summer here on the Park and the Bus podcast. And welcome back to Park and the Bus episode 36. We're talking about the UEFA Europa League. So, let's go to the sofa score now and take a look at what we have for lineup in this one. And it is going to be, as we said, Manchester United taking on Villarreal. And here is Villarreal's starting 11 in this one. Ruli in goal, Geronimo Ruli, the Argentine goalkeeper who was a huge, huge factor in this one. Uh, you have the right back, Juan Foyt, the center back pairing of Raul Albiol, the captain, and Pau Torres, who is interestingly enough a target for Manchester United this offseason. Their left back is Alfonso Pedraza in, in midfield, four in midfield, starting on the right. Jeremy Pino, Etienne Capui, Dani Parejo, and Manu Trigueros with two twin strikers, Gerard Moreno and Carlos Baca, two very good strikers. For Manchester United, here is Ole Gunnar's lineup that he sent out. David De Gea, the Spain international in goal. 
Aaron Juan Visaka is the right back. Eric Abayi and Victor Lindelof, the center back pairing with Luke Shaw, getting the nod at left back as is usual. Uh, in midfield, a double pivot of Paul Pogba and Scott McTominay with three attacking midfielders in front of him. Mason Greenwood to the right, Bruno Fernandes in the center, and Marcus Rashford to the left, and they're playing behind the striker, Edison Cavani. Now, moving ahead here, and we will go down the minute by minute as I'll review it here. And those lineups were brought to you by SofaScore.com. I'm going to take the ticker from FopMob.com. And this is a good time to tell you, if you're interested, there is a Euro 2020 Pick'em League. I have started a PTB Media League, okay? Um... The link is in the show notes. I will tweet out the link as well. Go ahead, play against me and against the rest of PTV Nation and try to pick the winners of Euro 2020. All right, that is now up. You can now register. Registration is open. All you got to do is click on the link. It's in my Twitter. I'm going to share it on a whole bunch of social media, but it's in the show notes right now. Just go ahead and click on it and pick your winners, and let's see who comes out with the best record at the end of Euro 2020. Okay, now that we've gone through the lineups, let's begin. And it was a, I think there was a 33% um, capacity allowed into this stadium. And see if FopMob gives me that information or not. Um, looking at it, it looks like... Yes, there was an attendance of 9,412 at the Stadion Energia Gdansk in Gdansk, Poland. Clement Turpin is the referee. He is from France. Okay. And the match kicks off here. And it is underway. And some of the background, I should say, before we get into that, Villarreal have made one change to their side that was beaten by Real Madrid last weekend. And let me tell you, that's another episode coming very, very soon as a recap of the Euro Leagues, the final day, especially in Spain and in France. What an end to the season it was there. But Villarreal finished their season against Real Madrid and on the final day, Foyth comes into the back line to replace Gaspar at right back, which sees the latter drop to the bench. Unai Emery is a legend in this competition. He's going for yet another triumph and um, he goes bold and he starts with two strikers in the final third. Of course, that's Baca and Gerrard, as we said. Um, for Manchester United, they're without their skipper, Harry Maguire and He's obviously replaced in the lineup, and he he was not sufficiently recovered from an ankle problem, okay, and then Bailey will have to, would come in and, and fill in for him. Um, the Ivorian is the only player to retain his spot from the win at the previous weekend at Wolves, okay, so Manchester United rested just about everybody in their final league game because they had already secured second place, whereas... Villarreal were playing for 7th to hold on to try to either get to next year's Europa League or next year's Europa Conference League, which will be a new competition that's going to be debuting next season that I'm actually pretty psyched for. When you when you break it down and you see what it's going to look like, it's actually a lot more exciting than it sounds. Um, De Gea gets the start ahead of Henderson between the post. Henderson, usually the cup goalkeeper, but Ole's going with, with De Gea here. And... Juan Bissaka, Shaw, and Lindelof all return to the back four. Pogba and McTominay, like we said, are playing in front of him. And for the, there's really no surprises outside of that in this Manchester United lineup. Uh, Villarreal are playing in their first major European final for the first time in history. And they become the 11th different Spanish side to play in the final of this competition. Um... I'm sorry, to play in, in a European final. And the previous two Spanish sides to reach major European finals, of course, in their first... Their f oh, I'm sorry. The, first, the previous two Spanish sides to reach their first major final also faced English opponents, and that was Alaves losing 4-5 uh, to five to Liverpool in the 2000-2001 UEFA Cup, and Sevilla 
beating Middlesbrough 4-0 in the 2005-2006 UEFA Cup. The UEFA Cup, of course, is the precursor to this Europa League. It's the same trophy. It's been around since the 70s. It used to be the, the Interfairs Cities Cup. So this, this competition has a lot of history. It's had a couple of names, a couple of formats, but it's been around a long time. And um, United get out on the front foot in this one. And they start to they they go with the high press early against this Spanish outfit in the fifth minute. Luke Shaw with space down the left flank. He fires a low cross into the middle. Cavani makes a run towards the near post, but Albiol tracks him and clears the ball away from danger. Uh, a few minutes later, it's Rashford with the opportunity, and um, he surges into the box down the left inside channel before he offloads for Scott McTominay on the edge of the box and the Scott takes a touch for launching towards goal but he places his effort wide of the left post we move ahead then and we go to the 18th and it is uh, Gerard showing his commitment to the cause without Foyt that at fullback he slots into the role and is able to fend off Cavani with a strong challenge Juan Bissaka goes close in the 20th. Um, sorry, no, Juan, Juan Bissaka clears one in the 20th. It's close as he clears it into the path of Luke Shaw in the left inside channel. And the England man lines up a drive towards the back post, but it evades the target. And it evades every red shirt in the box. Man United unable to get ahead. In the 23rd, it's Pogba as he fails to clear his lines in the box. And actually loses the ball, and it is Baca who collects it in the left inside channel. He works the cross into the box with with a Rabona, but Torres can only head the ball over the bar on the delivery. All right, let's keep skipping ahead here and move a little bit further down. In the 28th minute, Cavani brings down Parejo in the United half, and... Villarreal have a free kick in a useful position and the Spanish side will take the lead off of this as Parejo floats a pinpoint delivery from the left flank with his right foot uh, from that this free kick this this fortunate free kick or this well you know fortunately placed free kick and he pulls a Gerard will pull away from or Gerard I should say pulls away from the United defense and has a free strike at goal. He does not disappoint, placing his effort beyond the reach of David De Gea into the right corner. It is Gerard Gerard Moreno with the goal, and it is one nil to the side from the Valencia community. Uh, don't or the Valencian. Uh, autonomous region of Spain and Parejo with a beautiful assist on the play and the yellow submarine takes the lead over the Red Devils in the minute number 29. Gerard is the first player to score 30 plus goals for Bijareal in a single season in all competitions since Italian-American Giuseppe Rossi scored 32 in 2010-2011. And McTominay has a run down the flank in the 36. He tries to get the better of Parejo, only to send his cross over the bar for a goal kick. United build down the left flank as Greenwood sends Rashford into space. The forward goes in for a cross, but his delivery repelled with ease by, you guessed it, Parejo. Let's move on, and we're going to go to halftime now with Bija Real leading 1-0. Villarreal hold a 1-0 lead over Manchester United as at the break as um, it was a few a half a few chances, but the Spanish side took one clear-cut opening and Gerard Moreno stared home a free kick from Danny Parejo from close range. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and his team have been lackluster thus far. Surprise, surprise. I've said they are lackluster all season. Do not let second place in the Premier League fool you. Do not let their run into the this Europa League final fool you. Villarreal at 45 minutes now away from their first major European trophy. 
and a place in the Champions League. So they're 45 minutes away from going from the Europa Conference League and leapfrogging the entire uh, Europa League into the Champions League. That's like a team in the third division skipping the second division and being promoted to the first division. But that is that is the magic of automatic qualification. And this is exactly why everyone is against the Super League. This kind of story becomes impossible in the Super League. People love this. The romanticism, the the storytelling, the the fairy tale that is Bijareal comes true in this match, all right, but it's not without struggle, not without suffering as Manchester United will come out and look to get a equalizer. Greenwood attempts to latch onto a ball over the top from Bruno Fernandes, and he goes down amid pressure pressure from Pedraza. It looks like it's going to be a penalty. The referee waves it off, but as two minutes will run off the clock, the ball finally goes out of play. The referee, the French referee, will then finally hold up play for a moment, put his finger to his ear, listen to the VAR official. And VAR confirms the call on the field. No penalty to Manchester United. Red Devils are discouraged and upset with that ruling. But the video did not lie. And in, unlike in some countries in, in this Europa League final, VAR did its job and, and it was efficient. And if VAR were like this all the time, there wouldn't be so much uh, pushback on VAR. 54th minute, it's a yellow card to Etienne Capui as he pulls back Bruno in the Vigereal half and he goes into the books. Now, Bruno Fernandes is going to be the subject of a lot of criticism in this match. He did not show up. The man's face is on the milk carton today in, in the UK saying, Have you seen this man? Because he was nowhere to be found in this match. And, you know, the English press are critical of him in this one saying that he spent more time rolling on the ground and in the referee's ear well I've been watching Bruno Fernandes for four or five years and he's always been in the referee's ear he is the most talkative player I have ever seen when it comes to uh, talking to referees he literally wants every call he literally is trying to sheriff the match and uh, when he's not playing well that aspect of his game that that uh, flaw in his game gets completely exaggerated and it gets amped up to 100 and that's what happened here. But in minute 55, we get one against the run of play. Edison Cavani equalizes with a close range strike. It comes from basically nothing. The ball's whipped into the area and... It actually comes off of the set piece from the foul that Fernandes uh, suffered from Etienne Cabouy. And it's it's whipped in here, and it will say that the Uruguayan reacts first to a deflection in the box and fires past the Argentinian Ruli. Bijareal failed to clear their lines, and from a corner... It was actually not off the free kick. It was off a corner, and Rashford's drive from 20 yards is deflected into the path of the forward by the boot of Scott McTominay. Cavani holds his composure as everyone around him kind of freezes, and he slides it past Ruli. Game on, 1-1. McTominay picks up a assist by diverting a strike from Rashford, and it goes right into the path of Cavani. And substitutions start out first. It is Unai Emery as he pulls Carlos Baca and sends on Francis Coquilin in the 60th minute to shore up his midfield. And you get a now you get the two teams canceling each other out a lot. This becomes somewhat of a tactical matchup. And I'm sorry, I think anyone in a tactics battle is going to take Unai Emery over Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Uh, I hate to, to say this, but it's been all over the press. It's on ESPN. It's on the BBC. Ole is not up to the task of managing Manchester United. He just does not have the pedigree. He's been a manager for 10 years. Going back to Bronby in, in Norway. Or 
Molde, sorry, he came from Molde in, in, in Norway. But regardless, he comes to Manchester United underqualified. Okay, he's hired for the simple reason that he was once a great Manchester United player. And he's best known for his appearances as a substitute. Now, I'm not going to knock him as a player. The, the guy was great, okay? But that does not make you a great manager. He's also there because he is a great shield for the Glazers. Because if you haven't noticed, Manchester United supporters are pissed right now. They are fighting back. They are getting matches postponed because they are, are causing havoc. They are interrupting the business flow of Manchester United because that is the only way that their voices will be heard by the family that owns this team. The oligarchs, the American oligarchs, you know, Malcolm Glazer, Joel Glazer, Avram Glazer, the Glazer family, okay? They're too busy in Florida all the time. They haven't been to Old Trafford in a decade. And they put this guy managing the team. Because he's loyal to them. Because he's not like Jose. He's not going to speak out. He's not going to criticize. He's not going to ask for players. He's going to take whatever lot you give him. That can only take you so far. Do you want to be the Manchester United you used to be? Or do you want to be the new, I don't know, Everton? Do you want to be the new... I don't even want to say Tottenham because Tottenham are more are even more ambitious than than Manchester United are right now. Maybe it doesn't show on the table, but look at the look at the difference in the players that Tottenham have tried to bring in in the past five years versus United. Now United have an expensive payroll. Don't get me wrong, but do they go get what they need? And does Ole speak up and say he needs? this and he needs that. Sure, they landed Cavani this offseason. Sure. They got Paul Pogba. That was the biggest make mistake Jose Mourinho ever committed was bringing Paul Pogba into this team. No question about that because that was the cancer that killed Jose's Manchester United. He won this competition, remember. What Ole couldn't do on Wednesday night, Jose did. When he was manager of Manchester United. He won the League Cup. He won the Community Shield. And he won the Europa League. You all laughed at it. When he called it a treble. He came in second. With about 10 more points. Than Ole came in with this year. You all laughed at it. Now who's laughing? You just lost the Europa League. To the 7th place team in Spain. I digress. Moving forward, we got a substitution in the 77th. All right, it's it's Unai Emery making a, a couple more tactical substitutions. On comes pa Pablo. Uh, sorry, on comes Paco Alcácer. He replaces Jeremy Pino, and Moy Gomez replaces Manuel Trigueros. Ole does nothing. Ole sits there, not knowing what to do. Yellow card goes to Eric Bali in the 82nd minute for a foul on um, for a foul on Juan Fourth, who also gets a yellow card in the same in the same play. As the two have an exchange there. 86th minute and Fernandes clips a free kick into the box from the left flank, but McTominay is forced to turn away from goal before teeing up for Rashford. However, the strike from the England International. Travels harmlessly away from goal. Another substitution, another tactical substitution, another move on the chessboard by Unai Emery in the 88th minute. Alberto Moreno replaces Alfonso Pedraza. And Mario Gaspar comes on for Juan Foyt. Ole does nothing. Extra time. Ole does nothing. Neither team look very much like they're going to get a winner here in extra time. And in the 100th minute, finally Ole does something. On comes Fred. Off comes Mason Greenwood. McTominay has a couple touches in the opposition's box. He has eight touches in the match in the opposition's box, but not, still very little to show for it. 
Okay, he does, you know, redirect that assist to to Cavani. But the first half of extra time ends. 1-1, little, little, little to talk about. Moving forward, and Ole finally makes a intelligent switch, but not before. Cavani sees a yellow card in the 113th minute for protest to the referee. Uh, McTominay's down, clutching his face after an off-the-ball incident. United, United were furious. Bijerial were allowed to play on while the Scott was on the deck. And here comes Ole's big, big move. On comes Axel Twanzibi. Off comes Eric Bali. That, okay. I'm guessing Bali wants nothing to do with the penalty shootout. You know who else wants nothing to do with the penalty shootout? One of your most expensive players in the team. France International World Cup champion. One of the best players at the 2018 World Cup. My, how it's gone all downhill since joining United. Paul Pogba comes out of the match with five minutes to play an extra time. You are a, supposed to be a superstar. You can't take a penalty? On comes Daniel James. And we go to penalties. So we do get uh, another substitution in the 120th plus three. In which the announcer on uh, CBS here in the United States on Paramount Plus Network. Uh, kind of, you know, uneducatedly claims he doesn't understand this substitution this late. On comes Alex Tellish for Manchester United. Off comes Scott McTominay. And he goes, well, unless Alex Tellish has some sort of... I'm not going to fake an accent. Unless he has some sort of penalty kick <laughs> expertise I'm not aware of. This makes no sense. Guess what? For several seasons, he was FC Porto's penalty kick specialist. Yes, he is a specialist at taking penalties. Unai Emery also sends on a penalty shooter. On comes Daniel Raba. Off comes Etienne Capoue. All right, let's go to the shootout then. Here we go. The most exciting thing in sports. Nothing in sports compares to a penalty shootout. As a neutral, they're fun. When your team's in it, it's absolute agony. But winning in a shootout is is the greatest thing ever, and losing is the worst thing ever. So in my playing career, I was involved in two two penalty shootouts. We lost them both. Okay, but I converted my penalty kick in both. <laughs> um, as a in in coaching, I was involved in four. We won two, lost two. So I I've been down this road a little bit before. So. Uh, before the shootout begins, CBS is having a conversation, okay? And the best studio host in all of football, in all of television, at least in the English language, it is uh, on CBS, and it is Kate Abdo, no question about it. And she's got Peter Schmeichel, she's talking to him, and Peter Schmeichel is asked about the, these penalty shootouts, and he says he's the type of... of Remember, Peter Schmeichel is a Manchester United great in goal. And he is, says he's the type of goalkeeper that did not like to know anything about what the other team's shooters were going to do. He wanted to do his own thing because he felt he was in complete control if he decided. And he said every time he went to this is this is insane, to come from a great goalkeeper, one of the greatest of all time to play the position. However, this is an idiotic I hate to say this, an idiotic approach to a penalty shootout. He said he would always dive left once, right once, and then left three times. I can't imagine he was in too many penalty shootouts because that would have been that pattern should have been figured out quickly. Of course, in the 90s, they probably didn't look at it that closely. And Kate quickly is like, "Well, we've got Robert Green on the call in the stadium. Can we get can we get to Robert Green? Robert Green's a former England goalkeeper, former Norwich and West Ham goalkeeper, okay? And actually, I know him. I know who he is because he was my goalkeeper in FIFA as a kid. I uh, I made quite a run with Norwich. <laughs> Took Norwich to the Champions League final. 
on FIFA, like FIFA, I don't know, 08 or something like that. And I had uh, I had Robert Green in goal. So, and Robert Green is asked by Kate Abdo, we just heard Peter's uh, approach to the penalty shootout. Were you like that too? He says. Absolutely not. I'm the complete opposite. He goes, I wanted to know everything from what, where the player's eyes tend to look. I wanted to know where the player's <laughs> hips are going to turn. I wanted to know how many times he goes right, how many times he goes left, high, low, everything. So two completely different approaches. Well, again, I've told goalkeepers in the past, okay? Goalkeepers, every goalkeeper has a side they prefer to dive to, okay? <laughs> And I've told my goalkeepers, you know, you you don't want to give that away because a smart team is going to start shooting to the other side. In this match, these two goalkeepers gave it away, and that didn't change anything about the way the kickers took the, the penalty kicks. Now, granted, they're all very well taken. However, it'll come into play late in the in the in the shootout. I also told goalkeepers always once you get past the first five. Okay, every shooter that comes on is less comfortable than the one before. So, the less comfortable the go the the shooter is, I always advise goalkeepers to to kind of stop guessing and start reacting because they're not comfortable, they're not going to be tricky, they're not going to be able to hide where they're going as well. They're probably just going to run up to it and, and put their laces through it. A lot of times, that's going to go straight down the middle or within your within your your grasp. Um, these goalkeepers didn't stay home once. There were 22 penalty kicks in this shootout. Not once did the goalkeeper guess middle. Had either of them do, done that, this shootout would have ended a lot sooner. Up first, it is Gerard Moreno as. Villarreal are going to shoot first. And he sends De Gea the wrong way. I am going to say that a lot in this, in the rest of this uh, lead up, in the rest of this build to the to the final shot. De Gea guesses wrong, and Villarreal are up 1-0. One Mata responds for United as he goes top left corner. It's 1-1. One one. Daniel Raba who has just subbed on in the in the 120th plus three, holds his nerve, placing his effort down the middle. Uh, where'd he go? Goes down the middle. De Gea dives to the same side he dove to on the first shot. 2-1, Bijareal. Alex Telsch steps up. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Blistering. Penalty kick, left-footed penalty kick into the bottom left corner. Not a goalkeeper on planet Earth was going to save that. 2-2. Next, it's Paco Alcacer. And Alcacer just beats the hand of De Gea with the low strike. This is the one that, that De Gea let get away. He guessed right on this one. And he went to the same side he went to on the first two. Got a hand to it, but couldn't keep it out. 3-2, Bijareal. Bruno Fernandes steps up. He is the specialist. He takes all of the penalty kicks for United. And he maintains the right rate of success. No hop, though, on this one. He does. He abandons the hop. And he just calmly slots it away. He sees it go into the bottom left corner. 3-3 three, three now. Uh, Alberto Moreno next. And then Marcus Rashford, 4-4. Four, four. Come to the fifth shooters. Up first, it's Daniel Parejo. Parejo holds his nerve with a fine strike away from De Gea, and now United have to score on their final, on their fifth uh, shot. It is none other, of course, than Edison Cavani, and Cavani has to score for United and does not disappoint. He sends Ruli the wrong way. With a firm effort into the left side of the net. 5-5. Five, five. You very rarely get 5-5 five, five in any shootout. So we're already like at a high success rate for conversion here. Moy Gomez makes it 6-5. Fred makes it 6-6. Six, six. I'll be all 7-6. Seven, Daniel James sends Ruli the wrong way. 7-7. Seven, seven. Round 8. It's, it's Coquilin 
And he produces a fine strike, fires effort high into the roof of the net. It's 8-7, BJ Real. Luke Shaw holds his nerve. He was the most nervous looking out of all. Okay, out of 21 of the 22 shooters. he So he comes in second. He steps forward in the ball. Squirms past Ruli, who should have made the stop. He, got, he guessed right again on this one. But what happens was he actually overdove the shot as it was not hit that well by Luke Shaw, who had a fantastic match, by the way. Luke Shaw was one of United's best players in this one. But what happened was Ruli actually dove past it, so instead of the ball hitting his hand, it hit him on the forearm and just rolled over his forearm and into the goal. 8-8. Eight, eight. Mario Gaspar is next. Makes it 9-8. Al uh, Alex Tuanzebe, the substitute, he makes it 9-9. Nine, nine. Pau Torres makes it 10-9. De Gea guesses wrong. De Gea guesses wrong. De Gea guesses wrong. Victor Lindelof makes it 10-10. And we're down to the goalkeepers. Geronimo Rulli steps up and just smashes this thing. And this is what you do if you're not normal if you're not familiar with taking penalties. You don't try to be cute. You don't try to pass it into the goal. I know a lot of coaches tell you to pass it into the goal. At this level, you can't pass it into the goal. These goalkeepers' wingspan, they can almost touch the posts from the center of the goal. They really only take half a movement one side or the other. Um, they're going to save it if you try to pass it into the goal unless they guess wrong. Ruli steps up, puts his laces through it, and De Gea guesses wrong. And it's 11-10, and De Gea will step up. Now, you can see in his face he wants nothing to do with this. Here's my real problem with De Gea on this one. I know he's a goalkeeper, okay? Not only has he just... he <laughs> So, his last 40 penalty kicks that he has faced, he's yet to save one. So, he has allowed a goal now on 40 consecutive penalty kicks. He is a goalie. He's a goalkeeper. Remember what I told you about when players are not comfortable. Remember where I said every goalie has a side they like to, to dive to, to more than the other. Just take Peter Schmeichel's example in the beginning of the segment. The last six penalties, Ruli dove to his left, to the shooter's right. You're a goalkeeper. Do you not make do you not know that it's uncomfortable to dive to your weaker side? Do you not want to force that goalkeeper if he's going to save you your shot to dive to his weaker side? Maybe you're not comfortable shooting across your body or you think you're going to give it away. If you can't do that, just put your laces through it and smash it and hope for the best. You know how you done better. No. He does not try to make I mean, if he had, I think Ruli was gonna dive to his left no matter what. Uh, I think he had made his mind up before he even, before he even, you know, before the shot was even taken. If he had shot to Ruli's right, it's a goal. It's 11-11. We go all the way back to the first shooters. But he shot to the exact location Ruli had dove to for the previous six penalty kicks. Ruli comes up with the save. He is the hero. Bija Real win the cup. They win the Europa League. And the 9,000, the majority, well, not the majority, but half of the 9,000 fans in attendance are crying tears of joy for that small, uh, that small club in the small city. 50,000 inhabitants in Bija Real. And they are proud tonight. Let me tell you, it's been three days. They are, or two nights. They are still partying it up on the, you know, on the Mediterranean coast in Spain or slightly inland. They're about an hour from the city of Valencia. And what an accomplishment for Unai Emery. And it's just an amazing feat that he's been able to do in this competition after he... After 11 rounds, 22 penalty kicks, Bijareal will win 11 to 10 on penalties. And let's take a look at Unai Emery for a moment here and just look at his career. 
in his his trophy case he has won with i believe now four europa leagues with three different clubs if i'm not mistaken no he's won four with th- with two different clubs excuse me he did not win a europa league title with with valencia that was rafa benitez but he won three with sevilla and now he won one with Villarreal. Of course, he also got to a final with Arsenal. Anyone that can get Arsenal to a final in Europe, that that is an accomplishment. And the pundits have said that he's a much a better coach when coaching in his native language. He gets his ideas across much better. And he is much more successful in Spain than he was at Arsenal, for example. Though he speaks good English, and I can t- I can understand that because having coached in the past, I have had to use different languages. Okay, I've had to use Portuguese. I've had to use Spanish. Okay, I know enough of the. Uh, I'm fluent in Portuguese, but I know enough Spanish. I, I'm almost fluent in Spanish. I'm not completely fluent. Um, and understanding the different slang is very difficult for me. But in terms of coaching a football match, I know a lot of the, the expressions. But you still just don't express yourself the right, the exact way you want to. You don't quite, you know, make things as clear as you do in your native language, which for me now, at this stage of my life, is English. Maybe when I was four years old, it wasn't my first language. Today it is. And um, hats off to hats off to Bijereal. Let's take a look at some stats real quick. United 60% of possession. Uh, they had 14 shots to Bijereal's 12. Uh, 10 chances created for for United. 11 for Bijereal, each with one big chance. United connected 595 passes in this match to for an 86% efficiency rate. Y'all know what I think about possession and pass efficiency and accurate passes. It's not that it's not important. It's that it's easy to manipulate. It's easy to skew those numbers when you're making lateral passes side to side without any pressure. Uh, United committed more fouls, 15 to 10. Uh, Villarreal were not even offside in this match. Villarreal much more tactical, though, and much more prudent, much more efficient okay and in the end so here's how the passes break down in this one okay Manchester United made 232 passes in their own half 363 uh, in the opposition's half they attempted 692 passes in this match Manchester United touched the ball 944 times However, Villarreal win the duels battle 72 to 63. That is a lot of battling. This is a that is a physical football match. When you have that many duels, that is 72 plus 63. You're looking at about 130. I want 136. 135 physical battles, duels. United attempted more dribbles but made a very low percentage of them. Villarreal got stuck in more. They successful... Okay, so Villarreal attempted 31 tackles and they succeeded 16 tackles. United only succeeded on 9 tackles. So you can see who who put in more work in this match, and you can see who played pass, who played keep away, who played possession, and that is why the trophy tonight is resting in Spain and not at Old Trafford in the museum. United are not as good as their record would say. Again, they need a manager. I'm not the only one saying this. It was all over ESPN FC. Craig Burley said it. That this guy is not a manager. He made no adjustments in this match. He took a tactical lesson from Unai Emery. Why is he there? Because he was a great player? I mean... 
Eric Cantona was a great player. You're going to have him manage? David Beckham was a, a great player. And here's what Craig Burley said that I agree with, and I'm going to share with you. Biggest part of the problem and why he gets a free pass, and I'm talking about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, is because a bunch of his mates, his former teammates, Phil Neville, Rio Ferdinand, Michael Owen, uh, Owen Hargreaves, Peter Schmeichel, we already mentioned him. Are in the media. They do not ask the tough questions of their boy. Of their homie. They're afraid to challenge him. They're afraid to criticize him. I think there's too many ex-players in the media. If they're not going criti to be critical of their, of their homies, they have no business being in the media. They have no business being there. If you're not going to do your job and you're going to protect your friends, protect your homeboys, you're in the wrong line of work. On the, on the flip side, you got guys like Jamie Carragher. Michael Richards. These guys criticize their teammates if they have to. They're not afraid to criticize their former manager. They're not afraid to criticize Steven Gerrard, for example. That's a former that's a former teammate and, and close mate of Jamie Carragher. Roberto Martinez, when he's anal analyzing matches, is not afraid to criticize Romelu Lukaku, his own player, whom he manages in his national team. He's not afraid to call out Aiden Hazard when he's lazy. But Ole Gunnar gets a free pass. Because his boys are in the media and because the fans remember him romantically. I said from day one he was not the man for this club. I used to eat, breathe, and sleep Manchester United, okay? For years, I didn't have access to Benfica matches. They were very hard to come by, and I had Manchester United. I used to wake up at 7 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday to watch them play in an FA Cup against, you know, Yeovil Town or something like that. I drove hours and hours and hours to go to Manchester United matches across this country, across the United States when they would tour here. I can't, I have a hard time liking this team. When what they put on the pitch is so hard to like. I said, first of all, when they fired Jose, okay, I thought it was a mistake. He, he was taking a step back, but he had taken three steps forward when he started. But when he was gone, I said at that time, okay, Ole finishes the season, then go get a proper manager. And I said this to people. I said this guy in Germany, Ulian Nagelsmann, is the guy to go get. Guess what? That ship has sunk. He's gone to Bayern Munich now. You had, what, three seasons. You had three seasons. To get that guy signed. To draw him away from Germany. He was at. He was at RB Leipzig. He was at Hoffenheim before that. You could have had him. Now if you ever get him. You're going to pay the big money. Which the Glazers are not willing to do. The Glazers. Are absentee owners. They sit back. They don't go to the stadium. I just said they haven't been to Old Trafford in a decade. The club has lost its identity. They used to be winners. They used to be fighters. Now look at it. All right. I've been going on and on for about an hour now. I hope you guys uh, 
enjoyed my viewpoints. You don't have to agree with me, obviously. Um, and disagreement is always welcomed here on the Parking the Bus podcast and always welcomed on the PTB Media Network. Thoughts, concerns, criticisms, feel free to shoot them to me at um, on email at PTB media network at gmail.com or hit me up on twitter and instagram slide me a dm whatever you want to do hit my inbox on twitter um it's at ptb underscore media you see it right there on your screen okay lots of content coming up this weekend like i said tomorrow's champions league final i'll have a review of that in a couple days but also copa libertadores match day six Brasileirão round one. I cannot wait. It's starting off with a bang, an absolute bang on Sunday. 3 o'clock Eastern time on Paramount Plus. Flamengo versus Palmeiras. The defending Brazilian champion versus the defending Libertadores champion. And the defending Copa do Brasil champion. The last two Copa Libertadores winners. These two teams have cleaned up the trophy case in the last three seasons. This squaring off Sunday at 3 o'clock on, on uh, Paramount Plus. I cannot wait. Plus nine other matches. So stay tuned for that. And don't forget. Don't forget. Sunday night. While I'm probably on the air. Or I should say while I'm live streaming. Down in Mexico, leg number two of the Liga MX, Guardianes 2021, Clausura Championship, Cruz Azul, and Santos Laguna. It's on 2DNA. Okay, check your local listings. But when that's up, you know, I'll have a review of that as well. I love Liga MX. And we got to get back on track with Major League Soccer here, too, on the Parking the Bus podcast. So much to cover. And like you already know, we're 14 days away from Euro 2020. If you want to join me on the Parking the Bus podcast, hit me up, Twitter, Instagram, email, however you want to do it. All right. I'll bring you on. I'm looking for people to to be correspondents of this 24 teams in the in the tournament. You want to cover one of them, you tell me, okay? First come, first serve. I'd love to have co-hosts and guests on here. All right. Every night there's a match. 8 p.m. Eastern time. Right where you're watching right now. So make sure you hit that subscribe button and hit that bell next to it so that you get alerted when we go live. We get started on June the 11th. It's going to be a wild ride. And make sure you go over to my Twitter. All right. And uh, click on the link. Again, I'll, it's also in the show notes. And play against me and pick them, all right? Let's see who can pick more winners. And uh, it'll, be a, it'll be a fun month, no doubt about it. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for this episode 36. It's been a while. Happy to be back talking about different stuff. Um, again, lots coming up this weekend. I got a Mr. Benfica episode I'm going to be recording tomorrow. Another one Sunday because I got a guest coming on Sunday. It is going to be fire. We're going to talk about so many different things involving Benfica. All right. We're going to talk about financials. We're going to talk about the problems with the presidency at the club. Uh, you think Barcelona are in turmoil. Maybe we don't owe as much money as they do. But, man, are we a mess right now. Absolute dumpster fire. We're going to talk about how poorly the squad was built. We're going to talk about JJ as a failure <laughs> this season. We're going to talk about loan players being sent out to fail at teams they should not have been loaned to. Oh, man, it, we're gonna, it could be overwhelmingly negative, but I don't think so. We both, we're both uh, quite pleasant guys, myself and my guests, and uh, it's going to be fun to bring it to you. So make sure you follow me, follow that Twitter page as well, at Mister, so you can get that. All right, I'm out of here. It's getting late. I'm going to sleep. I have to be at work at 5 in the morning. And it's almost 10 p.m. All right. Enjoy, everybody. Happy Memorial Day to all those. Um, thank you to those who made the ultimate sacrifice so that I can live in this free country, in this greatest country on earth that is the United States of America. 
and um, I am forever grateful for, for you know those that make that sacrifice. So please keep that in mind while you're while you're cooking out this weekend, while you're watching the Champions League, while you're you know watching the Brasileirão or watching the Argentine Primera, whether you're watching Liga MX or if you're watching baseball. Okay, that's all good. All right, just remember. There's those who don't get to do that, okay? Those who, who paid that ultimate price so that you and I can do what we do every day. God bless everybody. Have a great weekend, and you'll hear from me very soon. This is the Mr. Mike Agustinu signing off. Peace.